PulpMX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you for joining me, and I appreciate you downloading this episode. Welcome in. This is the RockyMountainATVMC.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by FXR Racing and Racetech. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and FREE, three-day shipping, over 75 bucks. You guys should be going over to KieferInkTesting.com right now, clicking on the RMATVMC banner. And then that continues to live your life, takes you to the Rocky Mountain site, do your shopping, and that gives us a slice of what you're purchasing. So thank you guys for doing that. That means a lot. It helps us out, as always. If you guys are a fan of the show, you guys know that actually does help and uh, keeps this sucker up and moving. FXR Racing, you want to get some new gear for the end of summer, leading into the fall, getting ready to do some riding, you want some ventilated gear. Uh, we got the new Revo, 2023, 2023 Revo gear is out. Uh, highlighter colors, uh, like a black and purple. Uh, they got four different colorways right now, and the other 2023 line will be up as well here shortly. So check them out over at fxrracing.com. Use the code KKMX35 to save 35% off the anything that those guys sell over there. Helmets. Uh, gear, ladies, you want to go ride too? I have a different code for you. Hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com, and I will get you that code as well. And if you guys are looking for a 6D FXR collaborated helmet, I have a special discount code for that as well. So hit me up on the same email, and I will get you dialed in. And you want to go down that track. That's right, down to that track, your local track, and just kick everyone's asses. Go to Racetech.com because you want to know why. They have engine and suspension services that will get your ride faster and plusher. So trust me on that. These guys are doing a lot of good work over there. Chris Riesenberg hung out with me at Loretta Lens, and we talked a lot about Racetech and their goals for new bikes uh, and not to mention older bikes as well because they do vintage bikes. So Chris at KieferInkTesting.com or sales at Racetech.com. Use the keyword Kiefer. And that'll save you some money if you're doing some shopping over at Racetech. And all of our 2022 sponsors, Power Motorsports, you want a new bike, look them up or hit me up and I'll get you in contact with them. And yes, they do shipping all over the United States. I do it all the time. I get a bike for me once a year as well as Aiden through Power Motorsports. And with Moto Shippers, they ship the bike down here. So it works out great. Works Connection. You guys got an older Yamaha, YZ250, 450? Eric and I are coming up with the magic. That's right. We have a bad rider triangle stock on the Yamahas. So Eric and I, from Works Connection, went to work and worked on a peg mount that is a lot better for us larger-sized riders. So look out for that here pretty soon. Ride Engineering Pro Taper. 
6D helmet, screenprintingdone.com, Dunlop Motorsports. Get that new MX-14 scoop. Plum Creek Funding, Blood Lubricants, Decal Works, Lit Pro, Fastco. And, of course, you're an older guy. You want to have longer motos. Old Timers Association, oldtimers.com. September 3rd and 4th at Hangtown Long Motos. I'm going to try to make it out there and uh, rip up some motos with you guys soon. So see you at Hangtown. All right, this episode, you guys liked it so much. Uh, last time I had Jamie and Chad on from uh, Chad from XPR and Jamie from Twisted. I thought I would bring Chad back on for this episode to talk more about engines, ECUs, fuel, two-strokes, all different kinds of things. It's always interesting to get Chad on the phone. He's a well-spoken gentleman. He's soft-spoken, but he's thought out. He does uh, really great work. He's located in Murrieta, California, and, of course, as you guys know, there is all different kinds of engine shops around uh, North America. I just try to get these two guys on because they're the most vocal. Uh, obviously, they're close in Southern California. But there is many shops uh, in North America that do great work. So we talk about what to look for in an engine builder. If you guys are back east and don't want to send your stuff to Southern California to get, get it done, I'm sure there is a local engine builder guy near you that you could use what do you look for in an engine builder uh what questions should you ask your local engine builder said just sending them your stuff hoping he does a great job and then spending two thousand dollars on something that you're not going to feel so i talked to chad about that and we go over many different intricacies about the engine and uh, what we need as just normal everyday riders within our engine packages do we even need anything done do we need ecus or are we just blowing money all of these questions are answered in this podcast so hopefully you guys like this techie kind of stuff so i sure do uh when i uh some of my favorite things to read on the internet uh, i go to vital mx and i love pit bits i love looking over motorcycles i love when i go to supercrosses uh anaheim one rolls around I love looking, geeking out on the bikes. I could care less about the riders. I just want to look at the bikes and what they're riding, what their setup is, and those things are interesting to me. So hopefully this podcast is interesting to you, and we'll be doing more of these things here soon. We're trying to do some different things here, not, not only just you know bike tests and things, but uh, getting to know some mechanics, getting to know some engine builders, the guys behind the guys. Those are the real heroes. Of course, the riders are awesome. And the bikes they ride are even more so. So uh, here is Chad Braun from XPR Motorsports. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys. Just like I said on the show here, we have Chad Braun. You're back. This is all about engines, ECUs, fuel pumps, just all the techie stuff that you and I love, Chad. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And for you guys that do not know, maybe this is your first uh, time to Kiefer Tested, Chad Braun is the owner-operator of XPR Motorsports in Southern California in the Murrieta area. So if you guys are familiar with uh, the Bullfrog Spas Moto Concepts Honda team, Chad has done how many years have you been the engine guy for, for that team? Uh, since, well, I think it's going on 11 now. Okay, well, 11, I, don't know, wow, I didn't know it was that long. Holy crap. It's been quite a while, yeah. Uh, so ever since, uh, what was it, 2012? 2012? Wow. I think 12. Okay. But more yeah, importantly, around there. more importantly, Chad is the guy 
behind the 2020 40-plus Loretta Lynn champion, Chris Kiefer. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, it's just not yeah. for the factory guys too, Chad. It's for us old dudes that you could take care of as well. That's true. I mean, we get pigeonholed like, oh, we only work on race team bikes and we don't. We do everything. We, we try to help out with the knowledge that we've gained from racing and get information out there to people that really want the info, need the info. Yes. And for uh, just to get some backstory on Chad, this is my personal take on Chad, you know, not to, not to sit here and just suck off Chad before this whole thing here. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I met Chad. I like what he was about. Uh, for me, as you guys know, and you guys follow what, what I do over here, I like a backstory. So I got to know Chad and his family a little bit. I go to his shop. Um, for you guys that walk into mechanic shops, normally it is shit strung everywhere. There's things happening all over the place. Uh, Chad's shop is like a Taj Mahal of motorcycle engine builder shops. You could eat off the floor. Uh, you could, uh, if you tap dance on the floor, you could hear your tap dance shoes. Uh, this is how clean it is. Uh, Chad is a methodical thinker. It's very hard for me to make Chad laugh, but when I do talk to Chad, you can tell that his brain is working, he's thinking. Uh, I do not have to worry about anything that I give Chad. I know it's going to be thorough. So that is very rare, and I've been through a lot of engine builders in my time, and I feel like I've only had a few of those type of guys. So uh, this is one of the reasons why I respect Chad's opinion and the fact that uh, honestly, there has not been, I mean, I don't think I can count on one hand how many engine failures you've had over those 11 years, right, on that team, on, uh, the, on the Honda team. Yeah, I mean, there's always issues, but never never in race form, which is, uh, uh, you know, that's a nice feather in the cap uh, because even even at the highest level of racing, uh, factory teams that have endless budgets have had issues. So, um, yeah, I mean, we try to do the right things and, and make the most of what we can with what we got. And yeah, uh, you know, do it methodically and make power. Right. Um, okay. So these are some of the things that I want to present Chad that you guys sent to me over emails. A lot of these these questions I'm going to ask Chad are basically uh, emails that I get through my email chain, and these are the most popular. So right off the top, Chad, a lot of these things are about race fuel, uh, fuel pumps, um, bad pump gas, especially here in Southern California. I know we have really shitty gas here, and that varies you know, from state to state. Uh, just to kick this thing off, for example, recently, everyone, I just had – Two fuel pumps go bad in Aiden's KX250. Um, we use Renegade fuel. That doesn't mean that it's Renegade's fault for the fuel pumps, but we've also ran um, T4 in some of in some of Aiden's practice bikes. So there has been a mixes, mix of fuel in Aiden's bikes, and then we found some flakes um, inside of Aiden's fuel pump that could have caused the damage. But, Chad, uh, with all that being said... What's the deal with race fuel? Do people actually need to go buy race fuel for their motorcycles? No, they don't. But, uh, I mean, our pump gas is really inconsistent right now. Uh, seeing a lot of issues all across the board. 
um, even just with pump gas. So when you go to race gas and you're getting a, a more consistent fuel, which is, you know, what you're paying for and that's what you want. Uh, you want, and, and not just consistent, but, uh, you know, like getting it in the pail, but consistent when you're riding it, there's two different consistencies, I guess. Um, pump gas, sometimes it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get, uh, whether you go to a discount fuel place or, uh, you know, a high volume, you know, top tier gas station, right? Uh, the gas we have right now is just, it's, it's not the best at all. So does ethanol eat up the, the fuel pumps? Does that hurt them? It can dry them up, yes, um, depending on what kind of O-rings they use, you know, or manufacturers cheap out on on parts or stuff like that. Yes, it can, um, but there's a lot of ethanol in everything. So, um, you know, kind of a case-by-case basis. I think that, I mean, we ran race gas in pretty much every single model bike out there for years and, and don't see issues with, Maybe that what you experience can happen. Um, you know, fuel pump and fuel filter maintenance is is probably looked over. You know, probably the most. Right. You know, uh, it's uh, even even like dirty fuel, and we can get it. Our fuel isn't always clean, or dirt can get in. Well, that can burn fuel pumps up too, right? Okay. Even if it can get past the the fuel filter. It depends on how the system is uh, and how the manufacturer does it, whether they pre-filter before the pump or after. Okay. So So I've ran – this is something that just came up in my head. I've ran VPU 4.4 in the past, and every time that I've ran that stuff, it's ran dirty. It's very difficult to map or back in the day jet or whatever I had. Uh, I've also ran across that it, it eats my, like my pump seals if I leave that fuel inside. So is that something that you've come across or you know anything about? Yeah. So, um, those type of fuels, first off, U44 is leaded. Okay. We don't recommend any, any leaded fuels for any of the modern bikes anymore. Um, Why is that? It's just not... It's not necessary. The okay. bikes aren't designed around that anymore. So the reason why you have lead is to cushion the valve and to stop detonation. I think U44 or any sort of leaded fuel is great in two strokes, not in four strokes. We don't need it. And, and you know, so the, the main reason is to stop detonation, but we Octane also does that. Mm-hmm. But when mapped correctly, for example, like, uh, let's say Renegade or uh, Pro 6. Yep. Renegade SX4 Pro is, I want to say, 85 or 86 octane. And that blows people's minds when they hear that. And then plus the compression ratios that we're running that at. Well, a lot of that's in the mapping and what we're doing, right? Um, same with Pro 6. I think it's 88 or 89 octane. So the octane's pretty low, but that's how you get the volatility. And you get the most power out of that because the higher the octane you go, uh-huh. the the slower the burn, the less typically the less power you make. Humbly. But it also depends. It depends on on your uh, compression ratio as well. But you know, for the most part, with the motors that we run, lead is not needed. It it it's not good for the engine. It eats the aluminum in the exhaust port, 
It also eats the uh, the alloy seats in some models just because it's not designed to run lead. So, you know, better for two strokes. I just have a lot of people running in YZ250Fs, and they're like, hey, man, I, I run U4.4. They give me the rundown. I get a shit ton of D-cell pop on my bike, and I go, hey, man, take that fuel out, drain it, put some T4 in it. It's just a VP pump replacement fuel. And they're like, oh, my gosh, yep. I have no more D-cell popping. I'm like, thank you. That's what I've experienced well, with U4.4. It's not that that's the only reason. So U44 is is high octane. I want to say it's like 109 or 110. It's pretty high. And so that's also not helping with power. Um, but there's other additives that they're putting in there um, that give it some power and response back. But like you said, it's incredibly hard to map uh, just because one, the, the octane, you're not, the higher the octane and you don't have the compression, um, the more the less complete the burn will be in the combustion chamber so you're not going to get you're not going to get the most bang uh and power from an octane that's not you know burning completely okay so then i should take some of my angry words back to my local friend here uh that's in the high des that runs 87 octane in his newer four stroke and i'm like what are you doing he's like no nah, man it's good you're supposed i mean 87 i'm like I've never heard of that. Like, I knew some dudes back in the day running 87. So, is that even a possibility? Can people run pump 87 in their newer bikes? I never tell people to run 87. I always tell them to run 91 just because, you know, it's going to be more consistent across the board if we're talking pump gas. Right. I mean, you can even get, you can even get E85 and, there's guys that tune uh, these cars. There's a guy that, you know, down the street from me that does Lambos turbocharged, and um, he runs them on E85, huh. uh, you know, which is is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it, it's all about making the power, but it ha it needs a proper tune to run it too. 87, um, yeah, I mean, because you can get detonation it, off it, of 87 and not have detonation with 91, correct? Well, and then fuel boiling comes into to play too. So, when you go up in octane, you're gonna you're not gonna get fuel boiling as much. Well, you can, but it's it's less likely, right? Because um, you're slowing the burn and everything else. The fuel is more stable, but you can you can boil fuel. I've had guys this year, especially because we've been fairly warm here in Southern California, where they've boiled pump gas. I mean, I've boiled T4 recently. It's been a hundred and some degrees, and I've had T4 in my 450, and I've, I've been boiling. And if you guys don't know what right. that is out there, you guys could be a weekend warrior, and you guys don't even know what that is. So what that is, in a feeling sense, on the track, is you will feel like your bike is starting to run rich or miss or dirty. Um, sometimes it'll you'll give it gas, and it'll it'll just kind of sputter. And it just will not feel correct. It'll feel rich. That's the, the first initial feeling that I feel like. I'm like, oh, my bike is getting richer as I'm doing my motos. And for me, that is boiling. Then you stop, and you can hear, physically hear it through your vent hose on your, on your motorcycle. I'll be able to hear it kind of go, and you'll crack, the, yep. you'll crack the cap. And you can, there's a lot of pressure coming within that, that space inside your fuel tank. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could you can run into a vapor lock when that happens too, um, which is not good. It can cause 
it can cause the bike to really shut off if you have a vapor lock. Um, so yeah, I mean, proper venting for the gas cap is, is important. Um, do you believe in no, one way no valves? One-way valves? No, well, okay, no. there you go. No one way valves. No one way valves. I know that some manufacturers do like, uh, I think KTM has a check ball system. Um, you know, it's okay. It works, but it can, I've, I've seen it where the gas caps have been faulty. Uh, for whatever reason, that little check ball gets stuck and it can cause an issue. Hmm. So yeah, no, I don't believe in those one-way valves. I, I, uh, on a fuel injected bike anyways. Yeah. Cause I know Yamaha came with that for many years and their vent hose, that one-way piece that's in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I always took those off cause I was always told from, you know, previous engine builders like, yeah, just take that off. Cause that could lead to bad things later on down the road. Yeah, so I mean, you got a fuel pump that's pumping fuel into the engine, and if it's not venting correctly, that little ball gets stuck or debris, dirt, whatever. Um, it basically you create a negative pressure in behind the pump, and the tank will it basically creates a vacuum, and you know it, it needs the air to be able to push the fuel through the other side. So you know if you have a one of those things, it's you know not venting it properly you'll you could get uh, fuel boiling even quicker uh because it's creating a pressure inside the tank and um yeah you can have the bike where it will just you know die or flame out shut off whatever yeah. you want to call it we talked about too before i went to loretta's we were talking about fuel and boiling because that's a problem when i go back east especially in the the summer months and we were going to run and forgive me if I forget this and you can re- refresh my memory here. You wanted me to run four gallons to one gallon of something else. What was that? So if you're going to run T4 in hot conditions, uh, we were telling guys that were racing to run a mix four gallons T4 and one gallon MS-109. And you're, so you're adding some octane with the MS-109 with, compared to the T4, correct? Yeah, it's helping stabilize it. We also do that with uh, Pro 6 as well. Without the um, HT. With, yeah, no HT. Yeah. Uh, so actually, the, the HT in certain bikes, um, not all of them, some of them will lose a lot of power. Mm. Um, you know, and then there's no benefit of running that fuel. Um, so what we've done or what we found is that it works. It seems to work better if you run the MS-109. It just helps stabilize it. No power loss. Keeps it more consistent. Less likely of boiling. Um, we have heard it just sucks that you have to buy two different fuels. We have heard there's going to be a Pro Seven coming out. True or false? Yeah, I've tested it. I tested it about a year ago. Um, just dyno wise, no, I didn't really see much difference from Pro Six. Uh, I guess the real thing of what they're trying to do is prevent the boiling and, um, and keeping and that just Pro be Six more stable. Horse. Yeah, 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 just more stable. So uh, you know. Uh, I guess time will tell to see if it actually does the trick or not. It would sure be nice. Um, all right. So ECU talk, we've talked a little bit about this when we had you on our last show, but I wanted to go over this more because there is uh, becoming more of demand for aftermarket ECUs or remapping current ECUs that are able to get remapped. I know the late model KTMs do not. Um, you can't remap those. Those are locked boxes at this time. Um, but as you guys know out there, I was a big fan of a vortex on my 2022 Yamaha, just how it 
broaden the power, smooth it out, and then Chad's words just made it slow. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, that bike is a lot to handle um, from idle to about, I don't know, 8,000 is just really touchy. So I was always up Chad's ass about trying to smooth out my YZ. So, And the Vortex allowed me to do that. And I couldn't do that with the Yamaha Power Tuner because it didn't have the parameters that a Vortex does. Now enter the fray. There's some other ECU brands. There is uh, an AIM ECU that I've been riding with a little bit on the KTMs. That, that works really good but still has some work to do to make them better. Um, but I get a lot of questions of, what about ECUs? Do I need an aftermarket ECU? Can I make my bike better um, by just remapping it, like with a KX or a Kawasaki or something, because you can do that with that. But give us some feedback on some ECUs and what the listener needs to know about. Yeah, so broad, right? I mean... We could, we could have a whole show on this, probably. Yeah, honestly, multiple, because there's so much to it. Um, Look, stock ECUs, yes, some of them are coming locked now. Uh, manufacturers don't want you messing with them. I get it. Um, and then some you have the standard tuners. And you got to remember is that they're they're giving you some parameters to work within so that they, uh, you know, the user that doesn't have the experience in tuning isn't going to make a mistake, cause an issue, get hurt, you know, wreck their bikes, all that kind of stuff. So there's not a ton of tunability you've typically got you know a little bit of uh, ignition timing and a little bit of fueling adjustment that's really it um now if we're talking a lot aftermarket ecus from tuners uh, that are capable of tuning them it's broad i mean we can look at absolutely everything um if it's fully unlocked to us right Mm -hmm. um so we can we can change everything from starting strategies to injection timing when it's being injected how long it's being injected fuel uh ignition timing uh excel uh just it's endless there's other start strategies uh launch control traction control i mean it's endless so with the aftermarket ecu it opens up a lot of doors to be able to tune and you know get you know, what one's looking for, like yourself uh, with the Yamaha, right. you know, we, we, we can, we have the parameters to mm-hmm. go there. Whereas the stock, you just, most stock ECUs, you can't. So with the Vortex ECU, this is something that I want to talk about because I, I messaged you about this before. There is some asshole on Twitter saying uh, this whole claim gate thing that was going on. They're like, oh, Kiefer, you don't know what you're talking about. You can get the the mapping off of whatever stars using for Deegan's bike, so that could be useful. But from what I've told, you need some hefty, hefty equipment to even see what's going on to pull that map, whoever mapped it from star, to be able to retrieve that and get that. Correct. That's true. I mean, you need. Uh, you could do it. That. The, so even if you hooked up to it, you can't get the info from a vortex. Uh, you can't read the ECU. You could put it on uh, a device called an oscilloscope, and you can get the info. It's not. Um, I wouldn't say it's super accurate, but it's in the ballpark. Um, but it, you, you but know, the, the world of ECUs, of, you need to be accurate, correct? Because even one percent of throttle yeah. or, or or fuel or timing is huge. 
Yeah, I mean, how many times have I gone testing with you and I've made what I think is a small change of maybe 1%. You, you come back to me and go, I don't know what the heck you just did, but that was amazing. Or it made such a difference with, with this. And, you know, in tuning, you get to a certain point where you'll teeter-totter on, on either side of, oh, that's really good, or no, it went crap. Um, and that 1% does matter. Here's the thing with all that too, and the whole, you know, um, claiming thing is that, okay, you can get that ECU, but you could put it on another bike, but it's probably not going to run the same way because the engine components inside, uh, everything else is just completely different. Right. You know, it's been specifically tuned around that spec and, you know, it, it it's just, in a way, kind of pointless. I mean, even even just going and trying to pull the information off of it is, it's pointless. Um, it, it, like I said, get you in the ballpark, but it's not gonna, not gonna really tell you much. You know, if you do, unless you had the exact same setup, bike wise. So what about like people having these ECUs and they're like, hey man, I have my bike's bogging or my bike's shutting off or whatever, and people are really quick to blame the ECU first when it could be many many other things correct yeah i mean i i got a story yeah uh, just recently, we love stories actually, here chad we love them well okay so i i it was a gas gas 450 22 um bike was running good guy we had done some work to top end all kinds of stuff bike was running amazing got a call back from the guy after he wrote it he's like bike runs the best it's ever ran love it thank you next day i get a call back uh or a text actually it was uh this thing's a piece of shit and it's running like crap what the hell's going on it, something broke you 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 probably did something like, whoa 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 pump the brakes uh, you know let let's just let's not jump to conclusions bring me the bike let me hook up to it let me just see ecu wise like if there's anything going on with sensors um you know just because it was running dirty like cutting out doing weird stuff because he was he was concerned about it, and uh-huh. rightfully so. He brought it to me. I hooked it up to my laptop. And keep in mind, I had just spent quite a bit of time on this bike, looking at things and and checking over it, um, re- and top end wise. And uh, here I hook up, and the TPS sensor is gone haywire. Hmm. And TPS meaning throttle position. It was sitting at uh, I believe it was fifteen or sixteen percent. So you'd go to start it and it would just, it would blubber blub, 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 like it was a Harley or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, so I started asking questions like, Hey, what did you guys do in between the time that, you know, you called me and said it was great. And you know, uh, what's going on now? He's like, well, all we did was wash the bike. And then I went and rode it the next day. I was like, ah, okay. I'm not joking. I've got pictures. I, I pulled I pulled the TPS sensor wire off the back of the throttle position sensor. Uh-huh. A ton of water oh, wow. fell out of the connector okay. and, and the sensor. It actually fried the TPS. Oh, no shit. So whoever washed the bike got in there really good. And, you know, the pressure from it, well, I don't know if they pressure washed it or as a garden hose, I'm not sure. Uh, but basically got in there and when they rode it, because, you know, electricity and water obviously don't mix, it fried the TPS and caused the bike to run poorly. So, 
you know, going back to, well, you know, ECUs and, and bikes not running good, well, bogging and all this, these are things that can cause issues like this. Right. And it's, it, it's broad. I mean, it's sensors, it's fuel pumps, it's bad fuel. Um, even just getting a, I mean, you could get a great bike off the showroom floor that's just magic, makes good power, runs great. You get, you know, one that is an absolute turd. We see it all the time. I see it on the dyno. I see so many inconsistencies building motors. I mean, we deal with production bikes, right? They're, they're meant to be pumped out and, um, you know, if they're within a certain parameter, ship it. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So like a gas gas or a KTM or Husqvarna, you can pull the seat off and the electrical is all sitting up there. The, the box is up on top. You know, it's all right there, right? Uh, yep. What's the proper way if you want to take your seat off and, and wash your bike? How how can you do that? Well, you shouldn't be washing electrical components anyways. They don't like it. But what I always tell guys to do if they really need to, get a plastic bag or Ziploc bag to cover the the crucial electrical components like an ecu okay make sure that you're you're not getting in there and pressure washing the crap out of it and then the other thing that you do if you've been in the pro pits you'll see mechanics after they wash a bike they're airing off the bikes and they're trying to get all the the moisture out of all those connectors um and make sure that you know nothing's going on and to be honest most times the guys try not to wash the bikes unless they absolutely have to because they don't want to run into issues like that. Right. Um, uh, it's, it's caught me out before when I, when I used to wrench for, uh, you know, a few guys, uh, you know, I had, I washed a bike. I water got into a stator wire and, uh, the bike, it, uh, it just stopped. It just, you know, it would run and then just stopped. And it was cause there was moisture in the stator wire. Older KTMs for you guys listening, you got on a 22 or an older KTM. There is, um, there's some wires behind the front number plate. Um, I called Chad one day because I know just like this one guy that called Chad, I probably freaked out a little bit. I had an ECU. I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions thinking it's an ECU problem. And, um, he asked me to check behind the front number plate. So what, and then you, you told me we needed to hardwire this area or something. So explain that whole thing. Well, so the, on the KTMs, I don't, I, I don't think it's on the, 22 and a half no so it's 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 changed now since the new chassis came out right so on the old ones there's a there's a white connector back there and it's it's open in the back but it's for your start switch and what happens is after time you get you know you get moisture in there it starts to corrode correct and there's 12 there's 12 volts there so when it starts to corrode, you get a bad connection and it can cause the bike to not start or just, you know, cause a short, you know, just like you got water in, in a switch. So what we were doing, uh, on those bikes is just basically hardwiring them to bypass that connector just to stop that. Right. And then, yeah, if you guys look and you guys have one of these models, go look at that, take your eight millimeter bolt off, take your front number plate off and look at that white connector and chances are high. If you've been, you know, I've had this bike for six months or so and you've been washing it, you'll start to see it corroding or you see some rust around the area. You'll start, you'll, you'll see it. And, uh, that was sure shit. That was what happened. And it's happened on several other bikes that I've had. So just be, uh, forewarned that 
that stuff could happen. And that's a very vulnerable place for washing a bike. I mean, how many guys just, I mean, we're not used to having anything right behind the front number plate. So you're power washing the shit out of that area and you're going to get a lot of water in that area. So just be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more electronics on the bikes these days, right? So we do have to be aware where we're pressure washing and just washing in general. Um, yeah, I mean, even even just with standard components, um, let's say if the seal's not quite right, even off the showroom floor, it, it can happen. I, I've had to replace three TPS sensors as of recently on brand new bikes that have rolled off the showroom floor. Oh, wow. Yeah. What brand are those? So when we, uh, that was actually a KTM. Okay. Two, two KTMs. So... And there could be lots of reasons for it, right? Um, but when, when we go talk, start talking about ECUs and, and bikes running right, these are all the little variables that are a part of it. You know, fuel pump pressure, uh, fuels, connectors, sensors. The ECU relies on the sensors to give it the information it needs to know how much fuel to put in and when. Now, there are fail-safes within this ECU, like a Vortex ECU, where... If something goes wrong, it's just not going to shut off, correct? Yeah, so the like, it's more for like frequencies. So you get weird uh, electrical frequencies that can cause issues. It's it's definitely more for that. Um, but yes, there's there's fail safes even in some of the OEMs. Uh, I believe KTM is now doing it in their new models. Mm -hmm. um, not like an advertised thing, but, and you'd probably never know that there was anything wrong unless it was flashing you an FI code, um, EFI code. But, um, yeah, no, I, even the, even the OEM manufacturer are doing it now too. Uh, last thing about ECUs that I want to talk about, I get a lot of people saying, Hey man, I'm just going to go buy a vortex from so-and-so and it has the standard maps that it comes with. Um, give the people, and I, I can, I can totally talk about it myself, but I think they'd rather hear it from you because um, you know more about the mapping side of things. But what's the biggest difference between the custom mapping that you you do and other other guys do as well versus just getting the standard maps that the Vortex comes with? Uh, mainly fuel. So the Vortex maps are developed in Australia, um, and they're you they have a european spec fuel which is different than what we have here um not only like we even have fuel that is is different from summer to winter and a lot of people don't even realize that um from the pump so uh you know whenever whenever we get asked that question is there's always more to be had uh with a custom map and to fine tune it more towards the setup uh, you know, we, we've developed a lot of maps, uh, spent a lot of dyno time trying to extract the most out of, out of the bike, you know, and get the character that people want. So we do, you know, Vortex does rely on, on engine tuner developers like myself and others, um, to do development further for, for them. And mm -hmm. so that's, you know, the benefit of getting a little bit more, out of it um you know so they're, they're the manufacturer right so for you guys out there listening let's say i'm just going to give you a comparison 
you guys purchased a Vortex with standard maps and you bolted on your KX250 or your KX450. Uh, the difference, you're going to feel the difference. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I can feel a little bit more low end and then the more mid-range. And, and, yeah, I can I can see where my 800 to to $1,000 came from. But then you can stick that same Vortex with the standard maps and then have Chad map it with his custom maps. To me, there is a bigger difference in feel from <laughs> the Vortex standard mapping to the custom maps versus just going from a stock ECU to a Vortex ECU. That's There's more of an advantage just to mapping the ECU versus just swapping boxes. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, for sure. It's kind of the good, better, best, right? You can have a stock ECU. You can, you can tune it. It's good. You know, is it worth the money? Uh, for some, it is. And then you can get the Vortex standard maps. It's better, for sure. Best is hey, we're tuning it to the fuel that we have here. We've tested it. We were listening to people as to what they're looking for out of certain bikes, like specifically a Yamaha, KTM, uh, and Hondas, you know, um, and fine tune it for the, you know, what guys are really looking for. I, I, I laugh too, because I don't know, whenever Bubba was riding, racing you know, seven, eight years ago, his dad, James, Big James was saying, we ain't going anywhere unless we have our ECU and our suspension. And people are laughing at this time about what's an ECU? Oh my God, what a pansy, what a pussy. Like, you know, he needs an ECU to go race. And now, fast forward to 2022, more people are realizing what that means. Like, that is a huge thing no. in the world of racing a dirt bike. I mean, not even just racing. I mean, just in general feel. I mean, you can literally change the character of the bike by mapping. And it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that because they may not have experienced it. And not um, only the engine character, the chassis character of the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like less engine braking. So you get less pitching. Um, the way that the motor picks up, uh, you know, you want to. So you perfect, have perfect, connect. perfect example, Chad. Not to interrupt you, but perfect example is Sierra <laughs> no, 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 no. uh, 450R. I just did a test with you for a Racer X Garage build that'll be out next week or this week. Uh, so that your Vortex mapped ECU was in this bike. Uh, I let my friend that rides a Sierra uh, 450RWE ride this bike. He's freaking out. Oh my God, it's the best bike ever. So I let him ride it for about a week. He gets back on his bike, and he says he cannot ride his motorcycle because of how much engine braking he feels on his stock CRF 450RWE compared to the, you know, the build that we did on that 450. He's like, I cannot believe the huge amount of difference within my fork feel and then how much I can go into corners harder on your bike, Kiefer, versus mine. So that just tells me this guy knows nothing about ECUs, but he can feel that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the big thing, right? Once you experience it, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's what it's all yes. about. Because, I mean, how do you, it's, I tell people all the time, I wish I could bottle up a sample and just give it to you just to try because you would, you'd be blown away. You're like a um, drug pusher. What can be done. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it, I've had phone calls with, that have had, bike guys have had bikes i mean honda 450 and yamaha specifically were like 450 they're like this thing's 
violent. It's, I'm, I can't ride it. It tires me out. This is literally the last thing I'm going to try, or I'm going to sell the thing because it's too much. I'd be like, okay, I know exactly what you're looking for. Try the ECU, you know, let me know. And every single time they're like, uh, I cannot believe right. this, this bike is totally different. It's not even the same bike. Yeah, man. Um, it's not like we're trying to pitch uh, aftermarket ECUs on you all right now. I'm just telling you from experience, and I have, I was, I'm late to the bandwagon is with this too because I'm a production test guy. I'm used to run stock, stock, stock all the time. And then maybe five years ago, I just started experiencing with ECUs and how much it makes a difference. So this is all semi-new to a lot of average riders out there. So and it, it really does make a difference. Yes, it does cost some some money. I know you just spent ten grand on your motorcycle, but if you want it to really customize how you how you want to dress your bike up with whatever muffler, fuel, however you want to do it, and then how you ride, an ECU is the closest thing you can get to a factory motorcycle because you guys got you guys um, out there. You guys um, have people like Chad that can do this kind of thing or, or Jamie at Twisted. There's all different kinds. There's Tokyo mods. They can customize maps for you to really hone in on how you want to ride your dirt bike. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, everybody always talks about, you know, the, the factory bikes and, Oh man, I really wish I could listen to that. Listen to that thing. I wish I could have that or, well, a big component in that is that is the tuning. It's so much of it. Um, you you could do the craziest engine build, and if you can't tune it, you're you're not you're you're pretty much wasting your time, especially with the fuel injected stuff. You know, it's you're not extracting the most out of it. Correct, right? All right. Well, I'm going to cut the ECU talk short, Chad. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, I mean, there there is so much to talk about with ECUs. It, it is so in depth and so. You could go so far into it. Have you had much experience with the the AIM ECU? I'm just kind of dropping a bomb on you right here, but I've been riding with it. and No. I mean, I've dabbled a little bit. I've talked to them a, a few times, and, you know, the amount of time that I, I need to spend with it, you know, I'd like them. You, you've touched on it. Is that I think it needs a little bit more work before I really get fully committed to um, really – getting behind the product yes um, um the, and, and the technology just, within I, that though is pretty cool right right yeah i mean they're bringing in some of the technology that's come from uh like road race stuff uh mainly uh even cars they're trying to implement some of that and and there's there's some there's some things to work out for sure um potentials is good even companies like vortex have, are looking at some of the you know the stuff as well um i know get does some you know pretty neat stuff as well hey we'll be right back with this episode but first listen to these commercials save yourself some money that's right just give yourself seven minutes relax write down these discount codes if there are some if not hit me up on my email i'll get you some we'll be right back with the show ScreenPrintingDone.com. My dream is the world's most powerful t-shirt. Do you want to look good, but you ain't got the money? Trying to get some t-shirts made? Yeah, Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. This is a t-shirt. You can get anything you want on that t-shirt. I'm about to show you guys how y'all can look fly. Your business name. That's my business. Your kid's name. Oh, Billy. Your favorite phrase, like, let's go, buddy. 
or free jailbirds. I agree. Anything at all. Screenprintingdone.com. T-shirt printing business. Mention Kiefer on your next order and get 10 free T-shirts. That's what I'm talking about! Screenprintingdone.com. Hey, Kiefer, what oil should I run? What weight should I run? Lots of emails coming in about oil. You know what I choose? Bloodlubricants.com. 1040 Pro Series Synthetic Oil. If you guys haven't run Blood Lubricants Synthetics, you should try it. Email Jeff over there at Blood Lubricants. Info at bloodlubricants.com. Mention the code Kiefer. Get 25% off a case of oil. I run the 1040 Pro Series in all of my test bikes here. It works great. Keeps the engine cooler as well. Clutch life is enhanced and longer. I go through clutches on that Yamaha YZ450F every 10 hours. Now I can go 15 hours. So great oil. Email Jeff over there. Use the code. Save self some money. Email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com. If you have any questions about the oil, I'm happy to help. Ride-engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, uh, brake calipers. Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts. I mean, I help him as well. But he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. So go check him out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there tweaking on handlebars and grips? Trust me, I do it almost daily. If you're looking for a strong bar but yet has a lot of flex, look no further than the Pro Taper Evo bar. It is my favorite bar out there on the market right now. Why? They have great bends. The bar flexes. I don't get vibration from the bar. I'm getting older. I want some flex in my bar, but yet I want it to be strong. And Pro Taper has the strongest and the lightest bar out there. That actually flexes. So go check them out, protaper.com. I'm currently using uh, SX Race Bend on my Yamahas. There is a brand new bend that's just coming out right now. You guys should see that. It is called Race Team Bend, and that is what we use over on Aiden's KTM and my KTM here uh, in the shop. So protaper.com, they have race cut grips, they have sprockets, they have chains, all different kinds of things. Go check them out, protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris, hit him up. For motocross riders driven to dominate, the Yamaha YZ line of four-stroke bikes are built for victory. Visit Power Motorsports today to explore what's new and improved for 2022. The YZ450F and YZ250F bring the performance with power for four-stroke engines, reduced unsprung weight, and new suspension settings. For the look of a full factory ride, just like what you guys see on Saturday night, 
Both the YZ450F and YZ250F come in exclusive Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Edition graphics packages. And you can take precision tunability to the next level with Yamaha's exclusive and industry's only free power tuner app. Visit Power Motorsports today. Find your Yamaha YZ and enter the victory zone. Get your new Yamaha at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, Oregon. Let them know you heard it on here. That's right, the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Get your best deal and best pricing wherever it is. Right here, North America. I don't care where you're at. Maine, California, Florida, Washington. Go visit them, powermotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, riding jacket, or long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It is illegal and dangerous. Yeah, you guys know that time punishes you if you're not on top of your game. Look, I'm a competitive guy at 45. My kid is 15, and he is right on me every time we go out to the track. But you know what? You know what takes the guesswork out of who's the king for the day, who gets to talk trash on the way home? That's right. You can measure your lap times. You can reach your full potential. And, of course, you'll never guess where you're gaining or losing time. Go to litprolive.com. You can email me, chris, at keferinktesting.com for a discount code on one of their GPS receivers. Getting started is super easy with LitPro. Pick a GPS receiver, download the app, and add a subscription, and then you're on your way to improve your lap times, get a better result as your, you know, than your buddy. That's right, because there's nothing better than bragging rights when you're on your way home. You throw your guy a text. Who got the best of you, baby? That's right, I did. And you want to know how to do it? Lip Pro. Aiden and I have been on this for about a year now. Super easy to use. Look, I am not a tech-savvy guy, and Lip Pro is super easy for me and Aiden to navigate. And uh, I think it would be a great benefit to you guys out there. So hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com. Go to Lip Pro Live. You guys want to see anything related to how to keep time how to improve your lap times, what section you want to improve on, all those things and more over on LipProLive.com. We are back. Thanks for hanging tough. Thanks for listening to these advertisements. I know it's tough, but we're back. We're going to get smarter right now with Chad from XPR Motorsports. Man, I'm going to be real too, dude. Like, I have not had the best of luck with Get. Uh, and, And I'm pretty honest with the show. It's like I've... I've had a few of the the systems, and it's rough go for me, man. I've had more problems than I've had good luck with them. And, and it's been a while. I'm not going to say I've just recently tried it because I haven't. It's been about a little over a year since I've tried one, but it, it just, it's very difficult for the user to use. Like if well, it's also difficult for, the, for the, the tuner to use, too. So, like, I, I've tuned some get ECUs. I don't, I don't do a lot of them. Uh, and the reason being is, is that it's not that they have a, a bad system or anything. I think it's good. It just takes a long time to tune. Yeah. Um, and, and this is something that people maybe don't understand and, and maybe kind of segues into what you're going to ask next. Uh, Dino-wise, when we, we build maps, we need a dino, right? Because oh, we got to do some things. Here we go. So uh, <laughs> it's a necessary evil, right? 
<laughs> Look Here's it. the thing. So with, with some of the get stuff, it takes double the amount of time to, to tune with the get stuff just because it's a little bit slower. You have to stop the bike, start it, warm it up, you know, get your reading, make a change. It's just a little bit more time consuming. And then with a Vortex, we can do it all live. So that's the way I prefer. And I know AIM's going that way too. They're doing it so that you can do it live. It's just a little bit different um, system, but it's it's really neat, neat and handy to be able to do it live when you're on the dyno because you get more consistency when you're tuning because there's less time frame. So, and one of the things that maybe people don't realize when you're when we're building maps, they usually take eight to 10 hours, sometimes more of not actual bike time, but, you know, actual dyno time Mm -hmm. to build one map. Yeah. So there's a lot of effort that goes into it. Yeah. You're not just slamming numbers in and like, okay, let's try this. Like there's actual thought process to it. Right. And, and, and this maybe goes back to the question that, that you'd asked before, like, stock ecu and then the vortex that's probably the bigger difference right is that you know the the standard ecu gives you those small parameters and there's really only so far you can go but with the with the vortex sometimes we're like oh well there's a direction let's see how far we can take that until it starts like going the other way and you know when you're building a map you kind of need to know well hey the motor's liking this or it it actually it it didn't like that at all it got to go back so all of that in testing dinos are a tool for you the the engine builder the engineer whoever's building the part or wants to try and do mapping or whatever it's a tool for them to help them develop what they have now as a rider i know we all get hard-ons at looking at graphs and peak horsepower and torque but to me and only reason why I think this way, and I, I probably would be like most people out there, I would get a hard-on to see the peak curve of this thing, and, oh, wow, look how much better it is than, than another bike when you overlay them together. But I have ridden and tested things with engineers that they swear is the best thing ever, and then I rode it, and it was a complete piece of shit on the track. So this is the one of yep. the, the reasons why... I'm not sold on dinos. And I kind of like what, what Jamie said in an, in an interview recently at Vital. He just said, uh, it's kind of like dick measuring. You're, you're, you're dick measuring, and it's, it's, it's a useful tool for you guys that are doing it. But for us, the rider, we shouldn't use that as the Bible of that's the way we should go. Correct? Well, let me elaborate on that. So I don't... I don't necessarily agree with the whole, it's a dick measuring contest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's the thing okay. is that pa- horsepower and torque does matter where it is matters more. So not only just the tuning and the whole dyno thing, you said it, it's a tool. It's how you use it, right? You could, uh, uh, Hey, a hammer is a tool. You could use it to hammer a nail into a piece of wood, but you could also use a hammer to open up a glass bottle. I mean, it's how you use it. Mm-hmm. So what I do and how I, I use the dyno is, is I'll test a bunch of stuff. And I've done this multiple times with you. I'll build stuff. I'll try it. I'll be like, hmm, this might be a direction. I'm going to 
try it out. And then what I do, once I have the knowledge that I need to know how I, you know, test it on the dyno, I bring it to the track and I, and I go, okay, Chris, let's try this. Let me know what you think. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. And then there's, there'll be times where like, Hey, this is way out in left field. I've already tested it. Let me know what you think. You come back. Holy crap. That's, I don't know what you did. So different. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it gives us a direction to go. I believe, you know, the whole horsepower thing came from back in the muscle car days when they were trying to sell, you know, motors and, you know, port and polish, which is a term I absolutely hate. It's, it's port and shaping more than polish. Um, you know, it was, it was things to sell it, right? Oh, this car makes horsepower and, and this, I mean, they, they still do do it to this day. I mean, that's a great, that's a great you know, analogy. Like, honestly, it's a marketing tool. If it, if those graphs go into the right hands, correct? hundred percent, hundred percent. So when you, you talked about laying graphs over each other, probably one of the most gnarliest feeling bikes feeling bikes is the Yamaha 450, right? It's a lot of bike. Mm -hmm. If you lay that over a Honda or a KTM 450, makes it the, the yamaha looks like it doesn't make nearly as much power but when you go on the track and you ride it it's like holy crap this thing's like correct everything's going by me so fast what this bike is ridiculous right um and so so what is that well it's actually a combination of things of how the motor gets up to uh rpm that's how it puts the power down uh where the torque is right that's acceleration and then horsepower is what keeps it there. So, you know, it, it's very, uh, it's very interesting when you go and track test stuff. And, and the thing that I always say, you know, even with teams that I work with, most times the biggest gains are made on the test phase, not on the dyno. Yeah. Because that dyno right. is just giving you a bump start to start your on track testing. Right. You, you need to have a basis, right? You yes. can't, I mean, every bike is a little bit different. I've been tuning for so many years. And what I think sometimes be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, it wants to be richer here. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to do that when we go test it and be like, this is like, oh, the thing doesn't quite like get into the R's as quick. You're like, oh, okay, well, it's obviously a little too rich. You know, go, go a little leaner. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, that picked it up quite a bit. And it could be 1%. You know, it's just, it, it it's a tool and it, it helps get us in the right direction. It's funny because I was out testing, I don't know, a few weeks ago and I was with, with I won't say who, but um, a, a manufacturer and there that was not arguing with an engineer, but I was just like telling him, you know, hey, these are the things I feel. And he was just so puzzled and he wasn't mad, but I was just like, look, man, how I can explain it to you is I'm like a religion, like me as a test guy, you have to believe in what I'm trying to tell you. And if you're, if you're not on board and you don't believe in what I'm telling you, then just, just don't use me. Right. Don't believe in right. it. Just simply move right. on to the another one that you want to hear. Uh, whoever wants you to tell you that, but I am telling you what I feel. So you either got to be on board or not. Like I understand what your papers say and that is fine. But I'm just telling you what I feel. So maybe you need to add another guy besides myself in with this testing to see if that correlates with what I feel or with what you're saying. So to go back to the dyno thing, it is a tool. 
And I think where the dick measuring point comes in is you can't have your dino, Jamie's dino, uh, so-and-so's dino in Texas and have all the same readings. Those readings are going to be completely different because temperature, uh, what type of dino it is, like some of you people out there are freaking out. Be like, oh, this guy's dino says 49 horsepower and yours says 42. It's totally different, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, even even running <laughs> so even running a different dyno tire, the weight of the tire, how much tire pressure you run, how tightly you've you've strapped it down to the time the dyno is yes, all the you can make it look really really good if you want. But I mean, it, it, and to be honest, you're only cheating yourself. Like yeah. as far as a tuner, like for me, I don't do that kind of stuff because it's only it, it's only cheating me, right? right? It's not cheating anybody else. I just want to give the best that's out there and do the best I can um, and extract the most I can out of what I'm trying to do. So uh, there's no point in cheating, whether it's building a race engine for a team or, or whatever. And one thing I, I kind of want to touch on too is that I have, I have worked with a lot of top-level riders, pros over the years, amateurs, all across the board. Chris, when I work with you and I do testing with you with ECU stuff, I can make the smallest changes and you can pick up on it and you can tell me specifically, you know, hey, oh, it did this. I feel this. And there's only been a few other riders that have ever dealt with that could have that, um, that calculate what they feel mm -hmm. and explain it in a way that is useful to make changes right right uh I, I typically don't like working with racers that are going racing because they bring emotion into it because they're looking for that unicorn correct it's always good it's always good to kind of go and and be disconnected from it test it and then bring it to them They're like okay i've already got some direction let's try this right right so you, you you have really good feel and it's very useful to um, go in certain directions with the info. It's critical. It's it's important. Well, so thank, well, I honestly think it's beneficial. And we talk about this on the Pulp Show. Is like these teams should have a test guy that understands the testing side of things, how to articulate that to the engineers or the mechanics, whoever they're tr whoever they're working with, to help the riders. Like, uh, right the riders are their worst enemy <laughs> themselves, you know, because they are for sure. Uh, they don't know a lot about their own motorcycle. They know how to go fast, but sometimes just like you said, they can't articulate that to download the information to the engineers. They, they don't know how to do that. So, well, and, and then in most cases and not always, but it's the bike that they're not on is the bike that's faster than theirs. Yes. So, uh, whether it be Starbike or um, Suzuki or Honda, it doesn't matter. If, the, if it's another bike out there, it's faster than what they have. And so trying to, sometimes when they bring that emotion into testing, they're looking for something that may not be there. Or if they would, you know, really try to step back and take emotion out of it and think about what they want and how to articulate it, they might, they might get it, right? Yeah. So... It, it, it's a tough thing. Uh, testing is, it's broad. I always say mapping, mapping can be a very, it's a moving target sometimes, right? Um, Dude, some because of my, there's certain, 
Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, some of my worst days at the test track, I mean, not worse, but just like long, tedious days, I was just doing ECU testing. I mean, literally all day for two to three days straight, little changes here, little changes there, and you're just beating your head into the ground because you feel just small differences and there's nothing huge. So I think that is where I've I've come from. You know, it's like many days of just doing little tiny changes so I could feel things. Uh, but, right. man, those are just the days that – the factory guys and the racers, they can't do that kind of stuff because that's burning too much time and energy for them. Well, most most of the guys that are racing do not want to do that because it cuts into their training time. And I get that. Look, I've been I've been asking for some, uh, you know, test riders, really good test riders for 250s and 450s for a long time. And um, it's tough. I wish I wish I had the time to do it myself because the advantage I would have is that um, I know what's being done. I know where it's being done. So if I were to ride, I could make those changes, but I'm too busy working on other people's stuff to really, uh, to, to get into that. So I have to rely on guys like yourself, um, that do a really good job. I just wish we could do more of it. Um, because it, I mean, the gains are huge, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Track days are huge. Yep. Uh, speaking of KTMs, we were talking a little bit about that fuel filters. So people, hit me up and we've talked about this. Uh, my fuel filters clogged, need to change it. My bike runs again. So there's two separate filters. Talk to the people out there. What, what's going on? Yeah. The, everybody thinks what, well, and even maybe from the dealers, um, that right at the quick disconnect, uh, where the injector and the fuel line from the tank meet, there's a quick disconnect and there's a filter in there. Everybody thinks that that is the filter that they need to be paying attention to. It is true, but that is the last filter before it gets to the injector. The neglected filter is the one that's in the in the tank. Um, it needs to be looked at frequently because if you're getting debris um, in that little tiny screen down the road, you've probably got it up in your filter in your tank, and that needs to be re- replaced. Um, it, all all bikes doesn't matter if it's KTM or or the Japanese brands. Uh, it, it's it's important to keep those uh, clean. You want to uh, make sure you're getting clean fuel in the bike, not blocking up injectors and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely Chan- look at those. Chances are high is if your little small filter where the disconnect is has got some particles in it that the other one in your pump is going to be have the same shit in it. Because yep, 100%. it has to weed itself through that to get to the other small filter. So, well, the only reason, the only reason why that little filter screen is there is so that when you do, uh, disconnect the quick disconnect there, that if any dirt falls in it, it's going to catch it. Correct. That's the reason it's there for, but if you never disconnect it and one time you go and you check that filter and there's crap in there, well, there's probably a good chance it's in the filter in the gas tank as well. Um, I got a lot of people that listen to this show in Australia and Europe and, and, back east and all over the world so i don't want to make this a this is the guys that i always talk about you and jamie because this is what i know these are the guys that i trust but and you're an honest guy and this is the reason why i'm going to ask you this so if you're a, a guy who has a motorcycle and i've been thinking about doing an engine i want to have a, a little modified engine on my bike and i want to feel the power i want to do some of these things being an engine builder yourself, and you've seen other engine builders, and so have I, and I can talk about this as well, but what should these guys look for in an engine builder if they're going to send 
their bike slash engine into these guys? Who? What should they be looking for? And not. And also, what not? <laughs> Both sides here. Well, I mean, look. Uh, I guess there's a lot of sides, right? I mean, you could have the engine builder that just wants to sell you horsepower and, as you guys call it, dick measuring with charts. Well, I mean. Uh, I mean, for some people, maybe that's what they like and that's what they're looking for. It's not the way I go about it. And I probably, I probably lose more business than gain it by just being honest with people and telling them the difference between some of the smoke and mirrors out there. But for me, the way I, I can answer that is I believe people just want to feel comfortable um, with where they're spending their money. That means for me, that means answering the questions about the, the builds, the modifications, what we're doing. And I like to really listen for what they're looking for and guide them in the direction that is right for them. Mm-hmm. Give them sol- solid information backed by some of my experience and knowledge that I've tried over the years and maybe didn't work or you know, is maybe like something that they don't need right away. So I really like to you know, try to guide them in the direction that they wanna go. Um, you know, and I think it's a good model uh, because, I mean, if you're spending thousands of dollars or a thousand dollars for an ECU, you want to feel good about the purchase, right? Um, and you want to have the knowledge to know how to use it and stuff like that. So we, I, I don't know, we just, we just take the time and, and talk with people and, and make sure we're getting them what we what we want. And I would hope that others would do that too. Um, you know, because uh, let's let's be honest, tuners engine builders, mechanics in general, always haven't had the, you know, maybe the best reputation. And that goes back to, you know, what you talked about initially with my shop. Um, I like my shop clean because I don't want the typical stereotype of, oh, well, he's a mechanic. There's oil everywhere. They're greasy. They're, they're, they just throw stuff around and they don't, we just, the whole philosophy and what I do is just maybe different than most. Um, we just want to up the level and, um, you know, get people what they want. Good quality service. To me too, there's two things that I look for. And this is just something that I've learned over the years is one, listen, how they speak to you. So if you're interested in having someone, uh, build your engine, Listen how they speak about their own stuff. If they talk about how good their stuff is all the time to you or or they say something about someone else that, hey, they don't do it like this, but I do it like this. To me, that's an indicator of you having a guy that's overcompensating and chances are high he's not going to be that great because he's trying to sell you on what he does. Instead of, here's what I think you should do, sir. Uh, here's my recommendation. And then you do that. And then you, you see it for yourself. That is, for me, a, a telltale sign. And that is one of the things that attracted me to you, Chad, is like you never did that. You never beat your chest. You never said, my shit's the best. You never talked shit on anybody. Like You were just like, yeah, man, we can do it like this. Here we go. Let's go test. We did it. And then you just let me decide for myself. And then that made me a believer because, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I, I can feel the, the difference with his stuff. And he's still humble about it. So that's one thing. And then number two is if you don't hear, and this is a, this is the sad part about your business, Chad, is if you don't hear a lot about the engine builder or the shop, chances are high that that's a good shop. 
And that sounds fucked up, but it's like you will hear about people being unhappy and how someone fucked them over or I didn't get what I paid for or, you know, I looked in my engine and this wasn't in there and I paid for this. And these are the nightmare stories that we all hear, right? But if the guy does a great job, you don't hear a lot about the guy. That's what sucks. It's like we don't give enough praise when the stuff's good. But that is how the world works nowadays. If you don't hear nothing, chances are that's not a bad shop. That's yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I probably lose more work than not. I mean, we're super busy all the time. I, I, I don't beat my chest. We just get the work done. We, we try to under-promise, over-deliver, make sure, you know, the, you know, whoever's going to go with us is comfortable and, you know, we give them what they're looking for and more. Um, you know, it's, uh, you don't ghost the guys after they got the stuff. No, no, look, I mean, we're busy and there's times where I'm answering calls, phone, uh, emails and all that. And I'm at home, it's 10 o'clock and I try to do what I can, right. To get back to people. But I mean, it does get busy. Um, yeah, you got to have a life. We, we, we try, we try our best to, to accommodate everybody's questions. And, and the other side of things too, is that we're maybe with what we do is not like for everybody, meaning like, Absolutely. Uh, right. there, there's some, there's some people that maybe I just don't gel with and yeah. not good fits for us. And maybe they're good fits with other tuners. And, and I, I'm okay with that. Um, I just, I just want to, be on the same page of people and give them what they want and spend that time and make them feel good about what they're, what they're getting. Um, maybe, maybe a lost thing. I mean, I can't count how many times where if I respond to an email or return a call, people are like, Oh shit. Uh, well, thank you for returning a call or, or email. I hadn't, I wasn't expecting that. And right. I think just, just generally right now, I mean, that, it doesn't matter what industry there's a lot of that right so just yeah you talk to robots you don't get a human being or if you do get a human being you got to wait 27 minutes on the phone so 100 percent. yeah customer service yeah. is lost nowadays yeah uh just like and, i said we <laughs> hey and it's a slippery get... slope man i i'm dealing with it like i understand it like part of my whole thing is like i pay attention to the riders like in the in the, in the motocross media testing world, you can't go talk to Don all the time. You can't go talk to Jody, but you know they'll put it in the magazine or what they have on their website, and that's what you get. Like for me, I have an open door policy that like you can contact me through my email if I see it a track. I'm not going to cool guy you. Like I want to help people, and I think that what they you know the customer service thing that we just talked about is kind of like what you're saying. Like, hey, I'm here. I enjoy the sport. I'm here to make your stuff better, and that's it. Not everyone likes me. You don't like my shit? No problem. You go, go to MXA. That's no problem. Like, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, it's quite funny. That's always been my approach. And what's interesting is, a lot of times after that person has gone elsewhere, multiple people or whatever, and they end up coming back and they go, "Hey, um, yeah, I've had this experience, and and you know, I want to give you a shot." Like. Okay, well, let's let's go, and yeah, let's it, it's it. it's you know it's just experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of how you guys look for look for someone 
that doesn't beat their chest, that doesn't talk about their stuff that much, that has some integrity and some honesty, and then ask around if if you know someone that has got something done from that company, are they satisfied with it? And that's the easy way to do it. So um, my last question here, because we're over time, as usual. Look at this is one of the top emails that I've been getting, and I don't know how much you know about it. Um, you might have seen it in your shop, but I'm getting a lot of emails saying my Honda is shutting off, specifically a CRF450R. Just my, it just shuts off, or or it won't start. It started yesterday, now it doesn't start. Have you seen that? Is there is there a culprit? Is there a fix? What's going on? Uh, broad question goes back to, um, you know, we're dealing with production stuff. So sensors, fuel, there's, there's so many different scenarios, variables. Um, yes, I have seen some bikes maybe shutting down or shutting off on the stand or flame outs while riding. Yes, it is possible. But like I said, there's so many variables, uh, even down to idle uh idle fuel pump pressure uh you know sensors like your water temp your air temperature sensor all these things can contribute to it i've even seen uh with this particular bike i've seen stock cams with a faster rider um where he's put a certain load in it where the cam has spun on the gear and it's actually retarded it and caused the bike to be hard to start and Mm. lose you know a substantial amount of power I think it's a, I think it can happen. Um, I have seen it. So, you know, an odd, an odd thing to happen. I don't believe it's common because uh, I've only seen it a few times. But um, yeah, look, even down to what we talked about earlier, pressure washing, washing bikes and, and water in places where it shouldn't be. Lots of variables, right? Yeah. Um, Things that I've noticed, I don't know if you, you've seen this, but like on a Honda, and I've had a buddy's Honda, and I've had one, um, they've ran rich from the factory. Uh, I've pulled the plug or plugs on mine and uh, one of my buddies, and this is a 2022 model and 21 model. The plug is very rich looking. So if you're having problems with starting your Honda CRF450R, it's not starting correctly or if it's running a little bit dirty, Pull your plug, check your plug, replace it, and for whatever reason, and you can answer this because you're smarter than me, Chad, put a new plug in, and it has ran 10 times better. It started better. It's cleaner. So I do not know if it's a plug thing or if it's just rich from the, the factory with the ECU settings, but the plug sometimes is a culprit of these bikes. Sure. I mean, we could go back to production i mean even the spark plugs that we get there can be issues with it it's it's possible uh the other thing and maybe something that we we probably should have touched on that i see it's quite often is a bad habit and this isn't probably you because i've observed you with bikes um but what a lot of people do especially with this honda it may be it may i I don't think that it's incredibly rich from from stock Mm. but um, here's the thing. If somebody starts their bike up and within the, you know, a minute's time or 30 seconds of it being started and they start whacking the throttle yeah. on the stand, mm-hmm. 
Well, what a lot of people don't realize is that it, over the over the standard map, there's a trim that is injecting more fuel into the engine. Okay, and it needs to do that because it's cold. It, it needs the fuel. So when you go and you start whacking the throttle, you're adding more fuel on top of that because there's an acceleration enrichment. So you're getting you could get up to eighty percent more fuel when it's cold and guys are whacking the throttle. Well, why is that a concern? Well, you can actually foul your plug. Correct. Well, there's been a lot so, of that too. Actually, people are like, I'm fouling my plugs on my YZ250F, on my CRF450R, I'm fouling plugs all the time. And I'm like, dude, I've, yes. I didn't even know four strokes could foul plugs. I didn't know it. Right. So, you know, when guys are really, and I get it, everybody's amped up. They want to go ride that like, yeah, I'm going to the bike and... I, I understand, but these are uh, fuel-injected bikes. I, I, I always give the examples, like, hey, and maybe some guys do. Do you get in your car, turn the key, and, and mat the, the accelerator to the floor right away? <laughs> Most times people will say, no, why would I do that, right? It's, it, it's the same as the bikes, right? They need time to warm up. They need to get up to operating temperature. Not only that, it's way safer, right? You don't want to be injecting a ton of fuel into the motor when it's cold and then go ride it and it's not up to operating temperature because what happens is if it's not up to operating temperature you cool the radiators you cool the coolant and then it starts injecting more fuel so you it's important to get some heat into that thing and it, it gets it consistent right man i don't um, know how many times i almost punched aiden in the helmet when he's getting ready to leave to go on the the track and he starts his bike up and he lets it idle for about five seconds and bop, 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 bop. I'm like, dude, chill out. Like, let, of, it, let it idle for what, a, a 60 seconds. Relax. One of my one of my one of my favorite riders, pro guys that I've worked with, um, he's got such a bad habit of doing that. And God. I can't if I tell him he gets upset. <laughs> so it, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, for the riders and for, for people so they know is what I usually tell is the mechanics to go and start their bikes, the pro like the pro guys <laughs> go and start their bikes for them, get it up to temperature before they even touch it because the riders, they're just excited. They're the adrenaline's going They're They're like, well, they want to hear the bike. It sounds bitching. Right. And that's what it sounds. I think that's most of the reason why riders do it. Like I, as a rider, like I'd like to go rev it up. Like, I can't make a four-stroke sound, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, it sounds, sounds badass. It sounds bitching. Sure. Yeah, well, uh, this is another thing that maybe we probably talked about before and bikes bogging on the stand. Well, so here's the thing is that you can – a bike can bog if it's too lean or too rich. So if somebody's ever – you know started their bike and they're warming up the bike and they're whacking the throttle and it bogs and people get freaked out when there's a bog well it could be because it's injecting so much fuel that it's just not processing all of it and it's created a bog it can do the same when it's lean okay. or like not enough fuel so um you know which is a question that that i think you i think it was you that asked it um like hey should a, a fuel injected bike bog and the answer is no it shouldn't but there's there's scenarios that we could be doing that are causing it, like bikes not warmed up enough and whacking the throttle, and it's uh, uh, you right. know just because it's too much too rich. 
Man, that's uh, yeah. I did not know four strokes could foul plugs. I did not know that until recently, and I was getting a shit ton yep, of emails about fouling plugs. Yeah, well, also on the Honda on the Honda four hundred and fifty specifically, they're running a little bit colder plug. So they uh, do you recommend a different, years, different were, plug? Uh, it's that I tell the guys that. You know, depending on what fuel they're running, it's the S-I-L-M-A-R-9 plug. Okay. I think that's the right number off the top of my head. And uh, I think the Honda 450 2122 is running the 10. Okay. So what that is, is it's it's not making the um, combustion temperature colder. It's making the temperature at the tip of the plug colder. And usually between heat ranges, it's 200 degrees Fahrenheit, hmm. roughly. Wow, that's huge. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. So so if there's guys that are fouling plugs, um, and, and look, even just, so even with that bike, even where the idle is set at, if the idle's really low, um, it can be running a bit rich too. Maybe one of the things that we should have touched on with ECUs and how critical it is is actually the idle of, of the bikes, whether it's a 250, 350, or 450. Yeah, so should that, idle, should that idle be – where should the idle RPM be? And if you guys haven't put an hour meter slash tack meter on your bike, I recommend doing that. When you purchase a new bike, if yours bike does not come with it, buy one. Works Connection has a bitchin' one. To me, that you know your maintenance schedule. You can look at your idle – all of that. That's just a great, cheap yeah. way to, to take care of your motorcycle. 100%. It, it's so critical, um, the idle and, and, and the way it's set, and there's there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, so 250s, generally, with, with their new engine specs, they want to be idling around 25 to 2,700 RPM, which sounds like it's screening, and it kind of is. Um, 350 KTM, it's usually around... 2300 450 is about 2200 mm -hmm. uh 2200 to 2300 depending on how comfortable you are with it but the reason why it's so critical and and i can break it down in two different ways the honda specifically uses an air bypass which is the yellow knob on the side of the of the throttle body right when your idle is is uh high or low it can make it richer or leaner but it can also affect it through the RPM range too. It's minimal when it's in a higher RPM, but it can affect it. So if the idle's really low and it's idling like a Harley Davidson, where it's bum, 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 right? It's, it's rich and it doesn't have enough air. Mm. It needs a certain mixture to make it run right. So don't make it run there, right? Usually the manufacturer's specifications is around for a 450 is around 22 to 2300 RPM. That's where you want to idle it. It's okay. critical. Okay. Even more critical is the KTM Gas Gas Husqvarna's. So on the K, uh, on the KTM platform, there's a little red knob on top of the throttle body. That's how you adjust your your idle. But when you adjust your idle up there, it also changes the TPS volts because unlike the Honda where it has an air bypass and doesn't change the position of the uh, throttle butterfly or mm -hmm. throttle position sensor, the KTM does. Hmm. So if you're adjusting that little red knob, it changes your TPS voltages and you don't necessarily want that. 
So with like a vortex, one of the features is that you can calibrate the TPS um, so that you, you know, if you do have to make that change, you're going to be running with the right voltages so that the ECU reads the right throttle position for RPM. Hmm. Um, critical. Not only that, it makes it run better um, throughout the, the KTM is different because of the butterfly, but uh, it's allowing air in by using the butterfly, by turning that red knob, allowing more air in. Super critical. I'll be damned. Did not know that. And does the no, weather it, does the weather or seasons change that? Yep. It, well, okay. So on on my side, in the tuning side, we try our best to um, tune the bike for a wide range of temperatures, but it's difficult because of seasons uh, and fuels, right? So the answer is yes, it does change, but we, we try to do the tuning in the background. And these are the things that we're talking about to try to make it run like you never knew if it was running richer or leaner or whatever, just run smooth, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yes. Hmm. Okay. So Good to know. Good information, Chad. Who knew that idle would matter? Like, I don't really F with idle that much. I mean, I do if it's really low because I understand that part of it, but I didn't know how critical it was. So that is something that I've learned, and you guys should learn out there right now listening is like, Yamaha comes with the power tuner. It does the idle, but you guys aren't going to look at that, right? You guys aren't going to start your bike, go on your phone, and look where your idle's at. I just know you guys out there. You ain't going to do it. You don't check your sag. You don't do none of that shit. So if you can't physically see it, good thing that KTM comes with one that you can actually see when you start your bike. If you can't physically see your tack slash hour meter when your bike is running, I suggest just getting one. It just it helps. Trust me. And it, Yeah, so that... It's 50 bucks or whatever it is, the, you know? The, the KTMs, unless I'm mistaken, they don't have the tack. They just have the hour meter function. Well, I think they do have the tack, Chad. Because I know I was looking at one the other day on... on I, I don't know about the new bike. I know the older bike did. There is a button that you could push on it to look at it. So I will double check that to see if I'm full of shit. Yeah, I'll have to double check that too because... I didn't know if there was a feature or not with them, but yeah, nonetheless, it's, it's super critical with the way the bikes run. Um, the TPS, especially the vortexes, they rely off the throttle position sensor, uh, a lot. And if that's not set right, uh, calibrated to it, I mean, uh, the bike's not going to run how it really should. Right. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, we're past our time, Chad. It's an hour and 30. We didn't even cover two strokes. We'll have to hit that up on the next. We'll do a whole two-stroke episode with you. I feel like we need that. I love two strokes. Do you? I mean, I think they have their place. I, think they're, <laughs> uh, they're fun. I mean, they're fun. They're fun to work on. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, come on, they're, they're not uh, fun. They're not fun. Two strokes aren't that great. They're interesting. They're they're simple, but when you get in deep to them, they're they're incredibly complex. Um, they're they're interesting. The only thing that's cool about a two-stroke is I can actually work on them. I can actually do top end. I mean, besides four-strokes, I can just do a clutch, oil change. I ain't taking the top end apart on the four-stroke. I'd screw that up in two seconds. Nah, anybody can do it, honestly. 
it's just it's uh, comfort and knowledge, right? Are you hiring right now, Chad? Well, we're always hiring. All right. So anybody listening out there that's a good mechanic in Southern California, hit up Chad. <laughs> God, I, I cannot wait for the phone calls that are going to come in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's like me asking. All right, I could probably hire someone. I you should see. Like, there's actually a few that are legit dudes that know how to type that seem like they would be great. But the the salary that I could pay someone would be like an 18 to 24 year old salary, right? Uh, yeah. But you no, get I, 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 you get these guys that <laughs> want right like there. like 75 grand. I'm like, dude, are you serious right now? Like. Do you, do you understand how much money I make? Like, you can calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I get it. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, if you guys want to go visit XPR, you can go to xprmotorsportsparts.com. Is that correct? Motorsports or parts, either or. You can, it, it directs you there. Yep. Okay. And then there's also contact yep. info there for Chad. You could speak to his lovely wife, which is way better than talking to Chad on the phone. It's, it's like people calling. Uh, it's like people calling uh, calling me and having Heather answer. It's just it just sounds better. Yeah, she uh, she does a great job of uh, of um, getting info. She's for very, me she's very patient. She she is incredibly patient. She's really good on the phone. Better than I am. Like, <laughs> I, I, there'll be some emotion with me sometimes. I'll be working on something where I get frustrated, and people will be like, they'll call me up and be like, I just answered this question and I'm frustrated. Ah, where she's just always, she's always just so uh, even keel. Yeah. yeah. Even. Yeah. Women are better than she's men. She's good. I'm telling you. Women are just better in uh, many, many, many reasons. I agree. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, Chad, for uh, hanging out with me for an hour and a half. And, uh, again, if you guys want to support the show, uh, listen to the advertisements, the commercials. I know it's a pain in the ass, seven minutes of your day. But there is some discount codes within those commercials. Save yourself some money. And I don't even, is there a discount code for Kiefer Inc. for Chad? Um, we have it with. ECU, uh, I'll have to ask Leo for this, but I think it's for ECU and MAP. Okay. There's like uh, $50 off of MAP. Okay. Um, and the code is Keeper. All right. Well, I didn't even know that. Well, here, just learn something else from you. You knew it. You knew it for a long time. You just didn't want to. I don't remember. You didn't like, honestly, listen. people ask me, you have a code for Chad? I'm like, I don't think so. Chad doesn't advertise with me. It's too cheap. You won't advertise with me. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Hey, I just want to throw that out there because people think that, oh, you only go with people that throw you money. I go, that's bullshit. I turn down a lot of money, and I like I, I like people's products, so I put them on the show. I haven't, I haven't, I mean, to be I, I haven't completely even, honest, I've, go ahead. I've asked you multiple times <laughs> if I could, right? Because because I feel like I feel like the information that you put out is very valuable and I align with that. So I've, I've asked and you're like, no, I won't do it. No, I don't want yeah, it. I mean, I, I mean, and I look, I appreciate it because all I want to do is help people. Right. I want to get them in the right direction um, and enjoy their motorcycle. Right. I mean, that's what it's about. Exactly. Like I, I feel like uh, 
I, here's my scenario. If I took your money for advertisement and I did these things, I feel like it would almost ruin what people think of what you're doing. You know, because if I talk about your stuff and even though my, my philosophy is, hey, I'm taking advertising money for people that I use myself, which I would do with you, I just feel like I would rather leave that one alone for you on this one. I'm just like, you know what? All good. This is what I believe in. Go here. Talk to Chad. No, he's not advertising. I'd just rather leave it there. And then I'll hit you on the back end, Chad. I'm sure Aiden will blow up something at some point. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's uh, I, I love helping out however I can, and I like helping out good people, and I will, I will go a long way for people that, you know, do the same thing for me. So, yes. Uh, it's definitely appreciated, not expected, um, uh, you know, and good on you for what you do. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's needed. And honestly, I, and I've, I've said to you before with what you do is, um, it could be, you could expand it and just kill the market because, it, you know, people need the information and they're looking for it and it's good info. So only so much time in the day, only so much time in the day. Yeah, that's what I struggle with as well. That's right. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. We'll be back next week. We have 2023 Kawasaki KX250 info. We'll be riding that this week. But there is an embargo until next week, so you have to wait on that. But we'll be back next week with more information and more fun on the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Chad. Talk to you soon. Thank you.